Luke chapter 1, please. I know you've been standing and I apologize. I'll be standing for the next hour and a half, so don't, don't leave. Don't leave. No, I'll be standing for an hour and a half. It is the Christmas season. Verse 26 of chapter 1. The familiarity of this account of the birth of Jesus should not negate the power of it. Now in the sixth month, verse 26, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Can you imagine? She's never seen an angel before. and Wow, she's probably 15 years old. Her eyes now are bulging, and she, her attention is fixed. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and, he will, and, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man, since I have not been intimate with a man, as the biological union of a man and a woman would bring together the seed of a child? Verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived her son in, a, a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. More than one miracle is happening. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Can I impose you with you? 20 more seconds for you to pray for me. Would you reach your hands this way? Would you pray for me? Would you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for these men and women who have come to church today. Please help me not to bore them. But please help me not to be their entertainer. I don't want to be either one. I want to be a vessel of God. Lord, I know it's Christmas season. I know family stuff are going on. But right now, for these next moments, God, would you help me? I need your help. Pray for me, church. Would you sanctify me? Would you anoint me? Would you cleanse me? Would you forgive me? If, I've, if anything hinders your word that I know of or don't know of, cleanse me today so I can do a better job. But cleanse all of us at the same time. Then I pray, O oh God, the fire of the Holy Spirit will burn in our hearts and that we'd hear your word and receive your word and do your word. God, I just don't want us to go in a relaxed mode. I want us to go in a faith mode. Amen, church? I want us to go in a faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God mode. I want some people who came here not expecting something will get more than they expect because of Jesus' presence. And I thank you for it. And you say amen? Amen it is. God bless you as you see it. I should have said it earlier. I want to say it now. Would you join me this next year, 2011, in reading the Bible through in one year? I pray you would. I pray several hundred of you will, this congregation, this service, and other service. Next year is the 400th birthday anniversary of the King James Version of the Bible. 400 years. The Bible was available not like we know it now. Scripture was available prior to 1611. And Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Amen. I don't have them today. I trusted I would have, but I did not. Uh, this one has been chewed upon by Lakeland. Special value to me. United in the word. It, it divides the scriptures into 365 days, one year. Would you join me starting January 1? But whatever, if you choose the King James, the New King James, uh, the Living Translation or the NIV, read the Word of God with me. I've been doing this reading my Bible through every year since 1988. I read a lot of stuff. I'm going to read a lot of stuff next year, but nothing will change me more. Like this. Like this. I pray, listen, don't pray about it. That's what I said, don't pray about it. It's the word. Do it. Oh, he just received an offering and he's starting being mean. No, I'm not being mean. I'm just...
some things you just give them, you know. Did you know when Jesus was born on that first Christmas, nobody, nobody planned for it? Totally unplanned. In fact, when Jesus was born on that first Christmas, uh, his arrival messed up a lot of plans. Uh, King Herod, he was hungry for power. He was a brutal despot. Any threat to his throne would be dealt with severely. When he heard that a Messiah was coming, under the guise of trying to find the Messiah, to worship the Messiah, he was just trying to find out where he is so he could kill him. And because he didn't find out where he is, was, he had all babies two years and younger in his domain of rulership. Herod had all the babies, two male babies, two years and younger, killed. Because it messed up Herod's plan. The shepherds thought, we'll have another quiet night on the hillside outside a little rural village called Bethlehem watching over our sheep. It'll be just like another night. But that night when Jesus was born in Bethlehem's manger and angels appeared to the shepherd, the world has never been the same. The religious leaders had their plans messed up. Because their anticipation would be a Messiah coming as a war hero. A military champion. A general of some sort. He would come, according to their plans, and overthrow the Roman government and deliver them from captivity and establish the Jewish religion as the religion of the world and Jerusalem as the world's capital. That was the religious leader's plans about their Messiah. But when Jesus came, he started saying stuff like, uh, turn the other cheek. Go the second mile. Pray for your enemies. And that messed up their plans. Because their plan wasn't humility. Their plan was world domination. It messed up the innkeeper's plan. You know the gentleman to whose door Mary and Joseph came? She nine months pregnant. There was not another room available in his motel. So the only alternative was a stable. And had he known, he would have planned for more rooms because he was interested in making more money. Messed up his plans. But the most changed plans or lives as a result of this story were that of Mary and Joseph. They, you see, were just a young couple, barely teenagers, and all they wanted to do was to get married and have little Marys and Josephs. Good plan. In their wedding preparation, during the engagement period, all of a sudden God comes along and He says to Mary and Joseph in His way of doing with them, I'm changing the plan a little bit. And, and we read in, in this account in Luke's Gospel, uh, an angel came to Mary. And, and, and to put it in today, today's vernacular, uh, the angel said to Mary, three things are going to happen to you, girl. Number one, you're going to get pregnant before your wedding day. She's thinking, not on your life. Do, do you know my culture? Do you know my values, my morality? Not on your life. The second thing going to happen to you, Mary, is... It's not going to be Joseph who's the father. And she's thinking, I know I don't like this plan because I'm engaged to him. It's going to be, the angel said, a virgin birth. It's going to be a miracle like has never happened before. And the third thing that's going to happen to you, Mary, the baby is going to be God. <laughs> that's it. I'm out of here. Me, the mother of God. Oh, I got tempted to say some mothers have played God, but so are some fathers. Church, brothers and sisters, has God ever messed up your plans? Go ahead and say amen. Uh, some of you have had your plans like I have this year. Some of my plans messed up. We just didn't plan on something like this happening. I read recently where this woman took her son 
New York City to see Santa Claus. She took him to the mall. She placed her son on Santa Claus' lap. When she got close enough to recognize Santa Claus, she recognized him to be her ex-husband who was not paying child support. I don't think he was planning on this. Three hours later, she came back with a court injunction and slapped it in his face and handed it to him. And, and he wasn't going, ho, ho, ho. I think he was going, no, no, no. He wasn't planning on it. A lot of our plans just don't happen. Give me a witness. The point is, plans don't always go the way we plan them. And here's something else I need for you to know, because I need to know it also. I'm not saying that everything that happens, that God plans it either. That's not true. God is not the author of evil. If somebody gets accosted or, or abused, or somebody gets cancer... The Bible says that God is not the author of evil. He didn't come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus didn't. He came to give life and life more abundantly. How many know as much as God has a plan for you, the devil has a plan for you too? Yeah. We, we all know that. And what I'm saying to you is, that's why we pray in, in the scriptures, tells us to pray. Jesus said, thy will be done. Because we know that God's will is not always done. We know that God's will is not always done because you and I can choose not to do God's will. The fact of it is, is a lot of my plans have been messed up in my life because I messed them up. You can go ahead and say amen because you've done the same thing. On more occasions than we might recall, I speak for us because we are in the human race. Our poor decisions, our foolishness, our leaping before we look has messed up our plans. Not only have we messed up our plans, but other people have messed up our plans. Amen? Yeah, I mean, we had certain dreams and visions for our sons or our daughters. We had certain dreams and visions for our marriage. We had certain dreams and visions for our job for a uh, 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 business, but other entities many times beyond our control came into the picture. Whoever told you that people could sin unto themselves and not bother anybody else have not lived in the real world. It's a lie. We all are interconnected. But not only do we mess up our own plans sometimes and other people, but there are times when God providentially... There are times when God sovereignly changes circumstances because He's got another idea in mind. I hasten to tell you that's what He did 2,000 years ago and what we now know as Christmas. So I, I want to answer the question of what do you do when God changes your plans with three thoughts from this text. And I want to give you the first thought by telling you that when God changes your plans, oftentimes God is trying to get your attention. Give me a witness, somebody. In the case of Mary and Joseph, God had a plan so fantastic, so unbelievable, so once in a lifetime history making for Mary and Joseph, that he knew they wouldn't believe him just off the cuff. So he used supernatural means to convince them what was really going to happen. He sent an angel, separate of Mary, he sent one to Joseph. After the revelation was given by Mary to Joseph that she had a visitation from God and she was going to bear the Christ child and, and that she was going to be pregnant of the Holy Spirit and, and all the confusion began to set in and in the natural, Joseph's thinking, you've been unfaithful, this has never happened before and it's not part of the way that God constructed men and women and, 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 the, uh, and the progression of the human family. After all that confusion is going on and Joseph said, an angel appeared to him. And said to Joseph, you're going to be the father of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He said to Joseph something like this, I'm God. And I'm coming to earth in human form. And when I come, I'm going to split human history into two segments. B.C., before Christ, and A.D., after the death of Christ. And this world will never be the same because of Christ. You know, there are times in my journey, and, and let me see if I can be practical, where I wish I had an angel come tell me what to do next. 
Huh? I've had a few demons show up. Oh, Jesus, help me not to point out any demons. I, 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 I have thought, oh, God, send me an angel. Do, do me like you did uh, some of the Old Testament. I have never seen an angel, and maybe I have, and I didn't realize it was an angel, because the Bible says there are times that you entertain angels unaware. And there have been people who have blessed my life and blessed your life that we thought they had to be an angel. But, in, but as far as the defining angel, like I might perceive the Bible speaks of an angel, I've never seen an angel, heard an angel, or be visited by an angel. But you know what? In order for me to hear from God, I don't have to have an angel, neither do you. You and I have a resource that Mary and Joseph didn't have 2,000 years ago. We have a visitation from God through the Word of God. 66 books in the Bible under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Every time we need to know God's plan for our lives, we can open the Word, read the Word, and God will speak. Oh, help me, Jesus. Hey, uh, <laughs> you know, any impressions you get from the devil... Or thoughts you get from him is going to be counterproductive to what God wants to say to you. Any impressions you get from the devil is going to be more like a temptation. And if it sounds too good to be true, it is. Satan has the capacity to throw out, throw out lures, bait. Attractions. That's why they spend millions, uh, advertisers, millions and, and billions of dollars in advertising products that eventually are going to kill you. But they don't show you that. Destroy your marriage, destroy your home, destroy your health, destroy your children. Any impressions you get from the devil are temptations. Any impressions you get from God are inspirations. Did you hear me? We, we, we hear from God often. We just don't realize it's God. My wife tells me as, a, as an elementary school principal as she is, she tells me on occasions of some of the accounts of some of her students with which they have to give a little extra effort to. And of course, my daughter is in, in education and she is a school teacher. And then we have other teachers here, counselors and people in the, in the school system. Many students have been... Uh, described as, because of some limitation in learning, as ADD, Attention Deficit Disorder. Because their attention span is very brief, uh, or when they get it, they don't really get it all. They're easily distracted. In a regular classroom environment, and uh, they, they, they're easily distracted. And I, I said to my wife, one day, I think we got some stuff in common here, you teacher and me preacher. Because some Sunday I'm going to put a large mirror out there on, the, on those walls and overhead. Because I got some ADD parishioners. If you thought you could get away by texting somebody right now while I'm preaching, and you're hoping you you'd probably do it. Your, your body is here, but your mind is someplace else. I struggle with it too, yeah. Some of you would, would clip your fingernails and manicure your toes if your foot didn't smell so bad when you pull off your shoes. Just love you. Just want you to know I love you. We all, we all ADD. Some of us are sitting here and thinking, my God, when is that man going to shut up? And I, I, you know, because we all have some, all of us have, some preachers are the world's worst. Some of we preachers are. We all got some. And when God tries to get our attention, we're off somewhere talking to some lawyer, some doctor, some person on the telephone, some text mail, some email, some other kind of thing. We're doing everything else but listening to God. And every once in a while, he got a, Rock our boat, ring our bell, blow our whistle, and say, You, I'm trying to get your attention because I want you to hear that I have good plans for you and I want to bless you, so I'm going to change your plans. If God is good and you know it, go ahead and give Him some thanks right now. Psalm 81, the, the Bible says, God says, I wish my people would listen to me. And the answer to this question is obvious, but I must elaborate because, as Brother Don said earlier, sometimes we've got to hear it more than once. I know I do, too. The question is, why does God want to give, ask us to give our attention to Him? Well, the answer is obvious, but, but, but it is because 
it would keep us from a lot of pain and tragedy and sorrow if we would give our attention to God. We, us, we we get in trouble so often because we don't follow what God tells us to do. Proverbs 16.25 puts it this way. It says, there is a way, there is a path that seems right to man. But the end is the way of death. A lot of things in life, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of things in life looks like the right thing to do. But when you get to the end of it, it often reveals death or disaster. Haven't we all done something in life that we thought to ourselves with our plan and our visioning and our engineering, our life's plan? We got some idea, some thought. We hitched our wagon up to somebody or some organization and we thought, this is a sure thing. Sure money making. Sure business success. Sure health. Sure. Sure thing. We invested time, effort, and money only to find out that it wasn't a sure thing. It was an unmitigated failure. And the reason our plans fail, and I'm not beating you up, let me, hear me out completely. The reason our plans fail is because we can't know the future like God can. Let me put it that way. Can I get an amen? We can't, we, driving down the road, turn right on the, on the next corner. We can't see the turn and what's on the next corner until we get to the stop sign and then make the turn. But God can see the turn can I, can I, before we even get there. Amen? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm saying this to you. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what next year holds. As I review this, this year, 11 months, and having done the service yesterday, I, I do this for my own personal, my own personal reflection. I have saved every sermon I've ever preached at any funeral I've ever preached in my life. I have a file on every funeral. And Sister Cleo, I've been ordered by your family to preach several funerals for your family. I've got every single one of them. I've got people who I, I do it because I reflect on the value of life and I save the obituary and I save the eulogy and I look at the value of life and I've got folders and I'm thinking to myself, oh my Lord, I know that your plans are better. And when I measure the lives of those whose service I have done, who've been born again, who are serving God in every one of their lives, I don't know how young they might have died. I don't remember them all or how old. But everybody to whom they gave their heart to Jesus Christ, I never had to fumble for a word and wonder whether they're going to be in heaven with God or whether God has a place for them. I am assured in my heart that whosoever believeth on the Lord Jesus Christ and loves Him and serves Him, He will take care of them now and in the life to come. If you're one of those blessed, would you give Him thanks? There's a way that seems right. But it's death. I am always... I'm coming down here amongst yuns. I see these commercials on TV that are appalling. Where the girl says, I'm only going to try meth once. Pastor Jeff, I see the commercials and, and they... Wow, they're very uh, explicit. Not sexually, but... In the sense of what drugs can do to you. And, and, and then you see this girl. She's, she's talking on the phone and she says to a girlfriend or somebody, my parents think I'm over at your house. I'm going to fix and get in the shower. And then I'm, and the implication is I'm going to come and hang out. And we're going to do drugs. And then the next scene is you see her when she's tried meth. And her body's scarred and she's cuddled up in, in the floor. And she's saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. You've seen them, haven't you? You, you, you see the girl who said, the little girl who sees her older brother or sister tried it and she says, I'm going to try it once. You've seen the other girl who said, I'm only going to sleep with him. Some haggard looking, uh, battered person. And she's going to sleep with him because she'll get money to buy the next fix. But her words were, I'm only going to sleep with him once. Do you know, my brothers and sisters, why God's trying to get our attention? Because he wants to warn us. 
Do not do that. Do not hang with that crowd. Do not mess around with that substance. Do not look at that particular thing. Do not try the things of the world and the flesh. God wants to warn us. Uh, He's saying to us, run from it. Flee from it. Just like Joseph in the Old Testament when he was being seduced by Potiphar's wife. And he could have had sex with a very prominent woman. And sex as many times as he wanted without her husband knowing because she was going to cover for him. He said to himself, how can I do this wicked thing and sin against God and my master? He left his coat in his seductress's arms. He was accused for attempted rape. He was thrown in jail. But God vindicated him and raised him up to be a man of power because God wants to get our attention to protect us. Somebody say amen. Oh, God, why do I yell like I do? Just me. Just me. There's another reason. To guide us. God wants to get us. I'm on the screen. It's just coming. Guide us. I want your attention, Alan. I want your attention, Donnell. I want your attention, Sybil. I want your attention, Jennifer. Because I got plans for you. Guide you. We all are acquainted with the GPS systems in our car. Is that what it's called, GPS? Have they ever, the GPS lady, whether you put her in the Queen's or the King's English, or you could have her speak in Spanish, she has carried me into some tall high weeds where there ain't no road. (laughs) I, I was in another state some, I think last year. Traveling with another uh, minister to an event. And I'm not going to call the name of the state because it gets beats up. Every, this, Alabama gets beat up so much. I'm not... <laughs> the GPS lady said, turn right. I turn right. Turn right again. I turn right again. Go another block. Turn. I was going in circles. We did it three times. <laughs> three times. Some. Watermelon cornfield patch. I always take a backup like MapQuest or something else. Did you know that when you're born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, you have a built-in GPS? It's not global. It's God. God. Positioning satellite system. He says, I want to guide you. Listen to me. I want to guide you. Uh, he says, thirdly, about getting your attention, is I want to instruct you. Alan, I'm trying to get you. I'm messing up your plans because I gotta, I gotta instruct you. We have instructional coaches in America for our body, for our finances, for our marriage. Instructional coaches. If you can pay for it, you can have instructional coaches on anything. And the Holy Spirit says, "I want to be your teacher if you let me. Listen to me." The Holy Spirit says, I want to I want to warn you, I want to guide you, I want to instruct you, and I want to counsel you. Can I get another amen here? Amen. <laughs> counsel. The Bible says there's safety in the counsel of many. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our counselor. <laughs> Some of you don't know this, and I'm not going to call names. I'm doing it now. I've had people tell me, coming to me, telling me what news that for them was celebratory news. I'm going to get married. And this is who it is. And that's, it ain't everything. You know, he ain't everything or she ain't everything. I've been putting more for my wish list of Prince Charming or Princess Charming. But, but I'm going to go ahead with it. And I try to be very cordial and nice and happy. And knowing the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. You all do what you want to, but I'm praying your plans are messed up. If you're miserable, you come thank me. Come thank me. Because you get over that miserableness. You wait on it for a while and trust God. But you want me and Pastor Jeff and some of the other staff here to spend five hours with you, giving you Kleenex and watching you cry over something I told you not to do. Not because I'm such a, but just common sense. I don't counsel those kind of people. Pastor Jeff does. He's just a finer man than I am. Don't marry 
Oh, God, help me, help me, help me. I don't know why it is some women think they just got to have a man. Just any old man will do. It's amazing where they'd go to find some of these. Now you got Facebook, Twitter, and some twit is twittering some other twit. Next thing you know, both twits get together. They're trying to be happily ever after. You're laughing, but I counsel some of them twits. Facebook. I'm going to tell you something about Facebook. I've been invited to join Facebook by many people, and I'm not against... uh, You know, I just have this philosophy. If you want to see my face, come to church on Sunday. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) And if I want to see your face, that's where I want to see it. You know, more marriages are being torn up now because of social networking. You know, more fornication and adultery and all kind of hitching up. God's got a better plan. And it won't come from Twitter, Facebook, or anybody else's book. But this book. Oh, help me, Jesus. Look at this. Second thought, and I've got to hurry before we get to Christmas Eve. What do we do when God messes up our plan? God has a better plan. Everybody say a better plan. Oh, how do you know it, Pastor? Because Jeremiah said it. It's on the screen. Chapter 29, verse 11. Uh, you could probably see it because I know we're the props. But read it out loud with me. Out loud with some gusto on the count of three. One, two, three. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Now you can't see it there, but I have another, I have another uh, translation that I like equally. And this translation is from the New Living Translation. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. The Lord says they are plans for good and not for disaster. They give you a future and a hope. God has a better plan. Let me tell you three things about God's better plan. Number one, God's better plan is that His plan is always bigger than your plan because He has a bigger perspective. You and I can only see as far as our 2020 vision will let us. God can see everywhere and all things. Bigger perspectives. God can see your yesterday, your today, and tomorrow. He can see if Jesus tarries into 2020, if we get to live, He has a bigger perspective. Can I get another amen, somebody? My point to you is that God has a better plan and a different plan. And I'm saying that so that you understand that Mary and Joseph's plans were interrupted. They were willing to settle down, raise a family, Mary and Joseph, and their natural plans before the angel visited and God chose them. They were willing to have a small family, maybe two or four kids. And because Joseph was a carpenter, he was going to build furniture and sell furniture and have a livelihood and save a retirement. And they would probably go into history without anybody knowing their name except their small rural community. God says, I want to use you to bless the whole world, Mary and Joseph. Can I get another witness here? What other names do you know from the 2,000 years past other than what the Bible gives you that are more prevalent? No other two names or couple are more famous in all the world than Mary and Joseph. Can can I get an amen here, somebody? God says, you know what, if you go your plan, Mary and Joseph, you'll bless your children, you'll bless your community, you'll build furniture, you'll be good parents and grandparents, and you'll die one day, and nobody will know who you are, and that'll be okay, because I have a plan, and that includes how I want to deal with some other people too. But Mary and Joseph, if you will trust me, I will bless the whole world, because Jesus, the the Son of God, entrusted to your care, will grow into manhood, he will die for the sins of the world, and whosoever believes on him will live eternally and you Mary and Joseph will receive rewards for your surrender listen to me I know I'm just you were not made just to suck air clock in and clock out of a job and occupy space until you find a burial site six foot under no God doesn't make junk every one of us have a purpose don't quit now, please. You may be 53 or 63 and the dream is not fulfilled. Don't quit now. 
You may have visions and things beating in your bosom. Your family may not be all together connected. Somebody you love may be on drugs or alcohol. Somebody may be in jail. Your marriage may be very stormy. Your finances, you worked for that company for 25 years and because of the economy, you didn't even get a gold watch or retirement because things just shut down. Don't quit now. God didn't just raise you to work for Delta or IBM or or to work for Panasonic or or to work in, in, in any other kind of... We all need those kinds of jobs. He didn't just raise you to be a doctor or a dentist or a carpenter or a plumber or whatever. God raised you, yes, to use those means to bless your family, but he has, he has given you dreams and visions beating in your bosom that money cannot buy. You cannot get them under a Christmas tree, but they can only come from God. Dream on, pray on, serve God, because he has bigger and better plans than your plans. Give a Lord a hand clap, somebody. Let me show you something else. You may not like this, but it's true. And I didn't like it at first, but it's true. God's plan for your life and my life is harder than my plans. Well, I'll tell you something, brothers and sisters. We, while we think we are struggling economically in America and things are hard, we don't know what hard is in America. Most of us. I say that not to, to beat you up, but I say that to tell you that human nature is to want the promise without going through the process. That's what was alluded to us last week when Brother Timberman preached to us. Give me the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I don't care nothing about working for the pot of gold. The path of least resistance. I don't want the process. I don't want the pain. I don't want the dark nights. I don't want the tears. I don't want the losses. I don't want the setbacks. We have this microwave mentality about praying right now and expecting God to do it right now. Isn't it amazing? You go to your freezer and you pull out something from Y2K 10 years ago. It's frozen solid like the Antarctic or the Arctic region. Put it in the microwave 15 minutes. You call everybody at the table to eat something 10 years old frozen like God knows it might have changed from a turkey to a dinosaur. We want that drive-through window mentality. And if they, don't, if they don't give it to us when we order it from the little box we're talking to, that we get to the window enough time, we'll just drive through the restaurant. <laughs> I got some armor bears here. I'll be needing you guys in a little bit. No, aren't we that way? Listen to what I've learned about life. And I'm going to give you this, and I hope it helps you. When God says, I'm not making it easy, he's doing it for a reason. And that's because God is more interested in your character than he is your comfort. You heard me? I've learned that. God's more interested in developing your character than he is giving you comfort. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to mature. He wants us to be people of integrity. And he wants us to be good Disciples, or sometimes he puts us to the meal and the grinder and allows the storms to come into our lives because nothing will run us to God any faster, at least most people, than some tribulation and trials. And no wonder the psalmist said, and I am trying to hurry, the psalmist said, I was glad that I was afflicted because there I found God. It wasn't easy for Mary and Joseph. When they said, okay, God, we'll do your plan, it was the hardest thing they've ever chosen. Okay, God, I'll be a pregnant, unwed mom in a culture where they kill women, women for that. How many know that wasn't easy? How many know in her ninth month, when in the last few days prior to her delivering the baby, she needed to be laid down someplace. She had to get on the back of a donkey and travel with her husband from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And then, then she goes... To a place where she thinks, well, maybe there'll be a room of some privacy because I'm going to deliver this baby. And there's no room. She goes to a stable. Her mother is not there. Her grandmother is not there. Her aunt and no relatives or uh, no, no, no woman that she knows is there to help her deliver this baby. And of all plays, she ends up in a stable. Now, let me tell you something. Mary, you know, we, we saint her. I say we other people give her sainthood and all. And she's worthy of our acclamations. But don't forget that she was flesh. She had some questions, too. 
if I'm, if I'm bearing the Son of God, God, if, 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 if I'm going to bring the Son of God into the world, the Savior, how come we ain't spending that at the Bethlehem Hilton? Yeah. God, God, how, how come if, if I'm bearing, if you wanted to send your, if you want to come into the world, why do you come like this? Why don't you just appear in the sky and let NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox, and CNN, all them people capture you live? This is God. He has come to earth. But here you are. God brought me to a strange town. No friends. And my baby is going to be born in a barn. And the question is, why did God choose that? Why did God choose to send his son as a baby and not an adult? Because God wanted to... Save us and not scare us. Who's afraid of a baby? You follow my thought? Maybe if he came as an adult or larger than life, we'd think we never could be like him. But we all can relate to a baby. You see, God's plan may be harder, but God's plan is better. There are two things, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm moving quickly. Two things that everybody here today is looking for, including me. We're looking for Significance and satisfaction. Did you hear me? It's real. Probably most of us do not have another item we need as far as a Christmas gift. But oh, if we could find value with our life. Do I matter? Do I count? Am I valuable? Will anybody ever miss me if I died? The funeral director told me yesterday... This is the busiest time of the year for them. The funeral director told me yesterday a 72-year-old woman committed suicide Friday night. Because we're looking for significance. And you know, we're also looking for satisfaction. We chase money, things, people, relationships, drugs. And listen to me. God's plan is more rewarding than any of those things. Can I get another amen here? I tell you that when Mary and Joseph succumbed to God's plan. Wow. You see, the Bible says about God's plan for all of us, 2 Corinthians. Eyes have not seen. Neither has ears heard. The things that God has prepared in his heart. For all of us that love him. I'm not about ready to quit. God's plan is bigger and better. Let me say this to you. I want you to pray for this church this coming Tuesday night. And two weeks from Tuesday night, which is the 21st of December. Two opportunities. This coming Tuesday night, we will go before the Board of Appeals, the Zoning Board of Appeals of Coweta County. To represent the plan God has given us for the next phase of this ministry. A new sanctuary, parking, renovation. And along with our application, we have put down all the other possible uses that we think God might have us do on these 25 acres in years to come. And then on the 21st, the, the final decision belongs to the Board of Commissioners of Coweta County. God has a plan, but the devil has a plan. Now all the neighbors, have been those within the 250 feet proximity of the church, has been made aware of our intentions. There's a sign out there that talks about the hearing. But sometimes people's perception can be their reality. And they may see us as an adversary. And too much traffic and too much people and too much noise. And are you all going to do this? And their perception may be wrong. I want you to pray that God would bring us together. Can I get another amen here? Yeah. Because it's God who is sending the increase. And you know, sometimes I think to myself, and I am trying to hurry. Come and play the music. They'll think I'm closing. I say this just like some of you. Some of us do not want to go to the next level because it's harder. 
Can, can I get an amen? Some of us would really like to have our own business and, do our, and go to college and, and, and get an education or finish high school. Some of us would like to do something else. God put it in our hearts, but it's harder. It's more sacrifice. And, it's, and we're thinking to ourselves, I'll be satisfied and significant right here when God is saved. But I have so much more for you. You know, when you're not working God's plan, three things happens to you. You become fatigued, frustrated, and fearful. And nobody wants to sit on the pew with you. Yeah. When you are not working God's plan, you're looking, running everywhere, trying to find significance and satisfaction. And you become fatigued. I don't... Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know what amazes me about the holiday season, the Christmas, Christmas season? In the month of December, when it's all about Jesus, this will probably be the highest attended service this whole month. The closer we get to Christmas, the more folks are going to do the shopping, the holiday, the family, and not come to church. I'm telling you the truth. I've pastored for 25 and a half years. This month, the church will receive less tithe and offerings across the nation. Here too. I'm not speaking that over negative. I've already prayed against that. Because people will take their tithe and offerings and divert it to something else. When this month should be the highest attendance because Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the reason for the season. This month we should bring our whole family to church. This month we should lay aside some tithe and offerings. They brought to Jesus the first visit of, of, of visitors brought to him. Go! Frankincense and myrrh! And somebody else is going to say, I want you to bless me in 211, but I'm going to take December off. I'm not trying to be mean or ugly. No, I'm not going to give you a refund, but I'm just telling you. Please don't be sold out to Alan Mature in 2011. I'll fail you. I'll fail me. Please be sold out to him. Bow your heads, please. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. Pastor, I have dug a deeper hole by my plans that I can get out of. I'm ready to take God's plan. Pastor, God has my attention. And even though his plan may be harder, the reward is better and it's worth the sacrifice. I'm ready to give him my marriage, my mind, his money, my children, my emotional state, my physical body. Pastor, I've done some things and said some things and been some places that just keeps haunting me. And I, I want to give it to the Lord Jesus today. Oh, blessed be His name. If you are not born again, if you're not saved today, don't miss heaven. If you, if you haven't asked Jesus into your life or you've gone away from Jesus, pray, Christians. Would you help me just offer a few seconds of prayer under your breath, so to speak, and just focus on this invitation for me just a moment. If you're not living in right standings with the Lord, if you've backslidden... It's between you and God. I'm not going to ask you to publicly confess. I'm not going to humiliate you. It's you and Jesus. Pastor, I need God's plan. His plan of salvation and His plan of restoration. I need to be saved or restored. Nobody's looking but me because I want to affirm the word. If that's you, raise your hands. I need to be saved or return to God. Please hold it up a moment. I need to rededicate my life. Several hands. Keep it up just a moment. I'm just looking to get an observation in the field for where we are. I see one. I see two. I see three. I see four, five, six. I see seven, eight people, nine. You may put them down. Put them down. Please, head bowed and eyes closed. Keep praying, Christians. Give me ten more seconds. Ten more. Ten more. Now I'm, I'm only needing seven. I didn't raise my hand, but I should have pastor. I will not go into this holiday season expecting anything from God that I'm not willing. I'm not willing to exchange with my life for Him. He's worthy of my life. If you didn't raise your hand a moment ago, raise it right now. Raise it now. Thank you. Everybody stand, please. Thank you, Jesus. Here's the invitation. Thank you for coming, praise team. Here's the invitation. I don't want just those of you to raise your hands. I want anybody else 
You say, Pastor, I need God to warn me, to instruct me, to counsel me. I need God to guide me. For my marriage, you're saved. You're going to heaven. But for my marriage, for my children, for my health, for my job, for my mind, for my peace. Because much of what we need, brothers and sisters, money can't buy except Jesus can give freely. Would you, would you do what I often need to do and don't do it near enough? Would you swallow your pride? I swallow my pride and say... I surrender all. Whether you raised your hands for salvation or returning to God, or you're coming to just get God's plan renewed in your life, you're already saved, but you're saying, I need to give it all to Jesus on December 5, 2010. I want to offer a brief prayer over you if you'll come now. Sing that chorus and verse. Come in Jesus' name. And I want the altar workers and others in ministry around the altar come. Come, come from everywhere. Say, with them. said to this point was to bring you to this point. Sir, ma'am, youth, parents, everybody in this altar, everything I said was to bring us to this point. I want to say something to you while you look at me just a minute from the altar. I know others are praying with you and I welcome them to do that. God will not mock you. God will not mock you. He won't hold out a present and keep walking away the closer you get to him. Give me a witness, somebody. He will not mock you, but you got to, after you pray this prayer, you keep fanning it with more prayer. After you sow this seed, you keep reading the word over it. You speak to yourself psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. you got to bring your mind and your thoughts, as we were told last week, into captivity. Talk to yourself the word of God. Talk to yourself life and not death.